Welcome to the Holistic Inner Balance Podcast with Dr. Nicole Kane and Happy Healthy Hadley. Your go-to resource for natural mental health and wellness strategies so that you can become the expert of your own emotional and physical well-being. Merging modern science with ancient wisdom. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Holistic Inner Balance. Today is really super exciting, right, Hads? Yes, I'm so excited. This is our 100th podcast episode. Woo-woo! I feel like you have like a champagne, popping champagne, like. <laughs> where you, can you do that thing where you like pop your lip? <laughs> There's no sound. Ah. <laughs> like over there like pulling on her lip. I don't think I can do it either. No, it was, that was pathetic. Darn. But I can do a drip sound. Ah, uh, Zoom is muting it. Zoom was muting mine too. Oh, really? Yeah. Sad. The power well, of Zoom. It just thinks it's a background noise. <laughs> Zoom is like, keep it classy, y'all. This is your 100th podcast episode, so. Oh my gosh. Can we put in like a, like, cheering or something? Like, <laughs> soundtrack in the background? Soundtrack of our celebration that Zoom is auditing out for us. But in this conversation, Hadley and I are going to talk about what we have learned throughout this process, which is such a great piggyback to the conversation that we were having about my book writing. And Hadley understands my writing process in a way that everybody else thinks is ridiculous and don't understand. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. And we just want to say thank you so much for being here and being a part of this and growing and learning with us. We're really, really so grateful. Yes, totally. And I am so grateful to be here. Obviously, I haven't been around for all 100 episodes of the podcast, but I've been around for the past uh, over a year. So that's exciting. Um, And it's been so fun to obviously it's like always the best time when I get to talk to Dr. Kane. (laughs) Yes. And the fact that we can Yes, the fact that we get to do it on the podcast and for you all has been so exciting. And the feedback that we've been getting, um, it's it's just been like, it's just been really, really cool. So thank you. Thank you so much. And of course, if you appreciate the podcast, if you uh, really enjoy listening, if it's been helpful for you in any way, if it's been supportive for you anyway, we would so appreciate a review, uh, you know, rating and review on Apple podcasts. We, it really helps to get the podcast seen. So So with that being said, let's get into some of these lessons learned. I think podcasting for me has been such a growth experience, especially with you, Dr. Kane, because you are so great at just being like, well, let's just do it. Let's just start right now. Whereas I will like over-prepare, you know, that's been my MO. But because I've been podcasting with you and you're like, let's just start right now. Like, let's just come up with this. We'll make an outline and let's just go. Let's just do it. Um, That's made me so much more confident in so many other areas of my life as well. So I just want to say thank you for that. Oh my goodness. And then it feels less contrived, right? Yes, totally. (laughs) That's one thing that's really important to me is the people that I really respect, love and admire are people who are real Mm -hmm. in being imperfect. And we live in such a culture that emphasizes perfection. And we see, you know, like the final draft and 
miss all of that backstory in that editing. We see like the polished, perfect edited pitch shift draft, you know, like we have the fade in correctly, or we left on cue. It was wrapped up in time. (laughs) And so I love that you're willing to just like vibe with an authentic podcast. And like, really y'all who are listening, we don't edit a lot out. Like we're pretty like, this is how the conversations often actually go. And we laugh and we get like kind of emotional and we sass and Mm -hmm. it's just been, it's just been a real joy to have you on it. And you were saying that you haven't been here for all 100 episodes, but in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, but you've been here for all the best episodes. Oh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. To make you make it so much more enriching. Oh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. It's just been, it's just been such a joy. And I think, I think bringing that conversation of perfectionism into it, that's really the biggest thing that we've both, that we were talking about before we started has been such a big learning experience on the podcast. And so we want to bring that to you all and help you to learn from our experience too. So you don't have to maybe do as much trial and error (laughs) for yourself. Although, you know, there's so much to be said for just doing the thing and, you know, you can't, you can't quite learn it to the extent if you're like reading it from a book or listening to to it from a podcast, sometimes you just have to experience it yourself and that's how you get the learning. Um, But we're going to talk about that today. And we were just talking about before this call or before this, um, before we pressed record, we were talking about how So many of, so much of our culture, of our current world that we live in really takes every single thing that every single person says at face value, right? That's where like cancel culture comes in is like, you said this one thing this one time. And so therefore that's what you believe at all points of your life. And, you know, then you're a terrible person or whatever, (laughs) um, And that's something that I have been terrified of. I've been, you know, um, a health coach for five, uh, five years, a a little over five years now. And something that I've been terrified of is like, what if I say something that I then change my mind about? Like, Mm. you're not supposed to say something that you then change your mind about, especially on social media. But even if you're not, you know, even if you don't have a business that's like, um, you know, audience facing or anything like that even just putting yourself out there, putting your voice out there, saying what you feel, um, not being, not feeling like you're allowed to edit it can be, can be really like shame inducing and, uh, you know, obviously can, can keep us from really growing. And so that's kind of what we wanted to bring to you today. Yeah. As you're listening to this, does this resonate? Do you ever feel like you can't say something or do something? Or if you interact online, like you can't post something or have an opinion unless you're a thousand percent sure that you can stand by that for the rest of your life. And with this fear that, well, I can't change my mind. And if I do, like, I really can't express that I've changed my mind because we all have heard that language. Like Hadley, you express this term flip-flopper. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah, That's something I was, 
I, I was talking about before, which was th- like, you know, how we talk about politicians who we don't, we tend to say like, oh, they're such a flip-flopper. Like if they change their mind about something. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I want a politician who's going to change their mind when they're presented with new information. Um, you know, like, that seems so bonkers to me that we are like, you have to believe the same thing your entire career as a politician. And same goes for, you know, we're not here to talk about politics, but, you know, same goes for just any person. If we're holding ourselves to our, to who we used to be or holding other people to who they used to be, then we don't have room for growth. Now we do want to also like be uh take responsibility for what we have said in the past for what we've done in the past so that's not to say that like oh we should never hold anyone responsible for what they've done or what they've said like that's not what we're saying instead can we come from a place of if i say something that is harmful or offensive or you know whatever can i then actually come from a place of like a learner's mindset of like, oh, I didn't realize, or, you know, you know, I have changed my mind on this. And can we come from a place of humility? Because a lot of times the reason we want to be perfect from the get-go is because we never want to have to say, I'm sorry. And I'm saying this from 100% from personal experience, because I have struggled to be able to say, I'm sorry, even as a kid, when I was, you know, growing up, um, with my, like my parents or whatever, it would be sort of like, I would just kind of like brush it under the rug instead of saying like, Hey, I'm sorry. I said that thing. Um, and so that's been a learning experience for me. Um, and growing into this idea or growing into this non-perfectionism mindset, you have to also be very willing to admit when you're wrong sweep up that mistake and not get like into this shame spiral of like, I was wrong and, um, and that, and therefore I'm a bad person. Right. So I just said a lot of things. (laughs) What do you have? (laughs) I'm so I'm, I'm looking down and taking notes on this because you're just like dropping some wise bombs here. And I was just talking to a client of mine just before we met today. And she's working on self-forgiveness and there's been all of this shame for something that happened. And arguably she was a child. And, you know, when we're children, we don't have a lot of resources and we rely on adults to help us make good choices. And there's something that happened that she feels really bad about. She feels really guilty about that. And so that shame, it has held her back from so long. And then when she does something wrong, it feels like there's this entanglement of the behavior, her thoughts around the behavior and who she is as a human being. Mm. And so I feel like if that's really difficult for you, and I resonate with it very much too, being given all this sort of overt messaging growing up that if you do bad things, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. And so then that sense of identity of who I am and not being congruent with a mindset or a belief system over time. And so that that feels like an obstacle to cure is how we orient ourselves around the meaning behind changing and not being perfect. And mm. that's a struggle. 
Yeah, right. So it's one thing to say like, oh, don't try to be perfect. Just kind of go, just kind of like, you know, do your thing. Don't really like care about it or whatever. But the reason that we want to be perfect is because we have that inner shame, that inner belief that we are not good, right? That we are not good enough. And so that's, I actually, something that I do with my clients um, and sort of the world belief that I hold is that there's not nearly as much morality as we think there is. There's really just like, we we often think like there's like, there's good, bad, right, wrong, black, white, all of these things. And really, you know, obviously we always talk about nuance on this podcast. <laughs> it's like, there's always the middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. But what if, and I do this with food with my clients where it's like, there is no food that's good or bad. It's just how it makes you feel. The same goes with literally everything in your life. It's not that necessarily, I mean, obviously there are things that are bad, right? Like murder, you know, like there are things that are bad. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Ads. But even then we could say like there were, there was conditioning. There was like all of these things that were put onto the person and and then something happened. You know, the best movies show the like, show the intricacies of, you know, when something quote unquote bad, wrong, um, happens, there's like all of these things behind, behind the scenes that are going on. Right. And that's what, that's why we love those kinds of movies is because things aren't black and white. Um, and those are the ones that win the Oscars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so, so can we come to a place like for ourselves of viewing ourselves from a more neutral stance of, the and not not like trying to suppress and say like i have no regrets because that's not helpful either but are there there are things that when you think about them it makes you feel like that um i call it just like an ickiness mm-hmm. um feeling like you're out of integrity with yourself with your values with what you what you love um when you feel that sensation that's a really good place to kind of start to dip into or start to kind of like dip your toes into like, okay, why does it feel that way? And can I come to it from a neutral stance of like, okay, if there was someone else who had the exact same background as me, who had the exact same uh, DNA as me that had the exact same body, the exact same parenting, all of it, would they have been able to do anything different? No, because mm-hmm. that's exactly what you did it, it, with what you knew, with what you had. And so can we come from that place and still take responsibility and know that it doesn't make us a bad person or wrong or, you know, uh, something that we even need to like, you know, grovel on our knees for, right? So that's kind of, that's kind of the stance that I take. Yeah. The, and it's very trauma informed. And we have so much research coming out about the brain and the nervous system and our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and sensations. And what you're talking about is very trauma informed that mm-hmm. we're doing the best we can with what we have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes horrific things happen to us. And as a result of that, we're predisposed to do horrific things. And it doesn't give you a bypass by any means. Like you're saying, we have to own that and take responsibility for that. But I think it's the nuance that I hear that you're 
bringing to the conversation is this like sense of neutrality of like, you know what, this is who I am with the resources that I have right now. And as I grow and evolve, I will attain new resources and learn new things. I will shift. And then what the fruit of that may also shift and that's okay. It is in all integrity, what it is. Totally. And in order for us to be able to, I mean, I even think of like rehabilitation, like versus the prison system that we currently have, uh, in the U S at least, um, the only way for us to really change the way we operate and to not do those horrific things anymore is for us to believe that we can change and that we are not stuck in that like shame spiral in that, like, this is, you know, I'm a bad person. If we believe that we are a bad person, then we're going to continue doing things that aren't serving us or other people. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we have to, in order to, if you want to be better, (laughs) you have to believe that you are not a terrible person. Right. Yeah. And that reminds me of a quote that I often say to my patients is anything that changes is changeable. So and good. I think that's that's huge, right? So if you have anxiety and sometimes it's 10 out of 10 and in your nervous system, and then other times it's uh, 10 out of 10 in your gut, or then it goes down to three or whatever, anything that changes is changeable and allowing ourselves to embrace that change and also allowing others to change and evolve can be really yes. life-giving and has given us freedom to just show up in our full authenticity in this podcast and have these really real conversations and know that in a year from now, God willing, we're still like having these amazing conversations that we can reflect back and be like, wow, I don't really agree with what I said there about not being able to meditate on a plane. (laughs) That's a throwback. (laughs) Hadley told me to meditate on a plane and I told her not happening. Um, (laughs) You're going to meditate on a plane at some point. (laughs) I'm going to fly to Barcelona in like two weeks or something. I'm going to meditate for eight hours and I'm going to text you. (laughs) Actually, that's not realistic at all. (laughs) No, stick to the nervous system practices. That's better. (laughs) Meditating when the nervous system is dysregulated can actually make you more dysregulated. So do the nervous (laughs) system practices. You're like, Nicole, no, don't do that. I love that. And so I think it's really brave to step out of our zone of comfort. And I think we've talked about this in the conversation before, maybe in a past episode, remind me if if we've talked about this, is the Scott Miller concept. He's a psychologist. And it's this concept of the zone of reliable performance, which is your comfort zone. Oh, no, I don't think you've told me about this. This is great. Oh, yes. So when you're in your comfort zone, you can perform reliably. Like, I know how to do this. I know what the outcome will likely be. I feel good and comfortable. I can almost autopilot this. It's like, you know, writing an email versus like writing a paper. It's like, yeah, I can write an email. And so then when we go outside of that, Outside of our comfort zone is where we actually grow and evolve. And Scott Miller calls this the zone of proximal development. Mm. And that's where we develop and grow. But what's really interesting about that is that people can't really sustain being out of their comfort zone for that long. Like if you had to guess, Hads, (laughs) you put me on the spot all the time. So I like relish in these moments when I can ask you questions. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're like, I love it. You're like, you oh, always God. give me the number questions though. And I'm terrible at guessing. It is numbers. a number. You predicted it. This is a number question. She's going to do so good, you guys. So if you had to guess how long, and maybe this is just your experience, but how long do you think it takes for a person outside of their comfort zone to start experiencing signs of stress? Ooh. Okay. This is so good. I'm actually, I really want to talk about this because this is something that I've been seeing a lot. Okay. So I would say, (laughs) um, oh my gosh, minutes or less. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Is it like 30 minutes? Ooh, I was too fast. You were going to get it. I actually was going to guess 30 minutes. Yeah. I know you were, you're brilliant. (laughs) You were going to guess that. I saw it. You were like, Art, your mouth was like, sh- sh- like, like you were making And then I was like, Blair, 30 oh my minutes. Gosh. That's, I'm impressed with myself because usually this is giving me throwbacks to like the jelly bean, the days where you had to guess like how many jelly beans are in the jar. And I'm like, I don't know, a million. <laughs> I won that one. 200? A million? I don't know. <laughs> I used to know, like, how to do the math. I'm like, okay, you do the math this way and then this way. And now I would say a billion. There's a billion billion jelly beans in this quart jar. That's so funny. Wait, what is a quart? (laughs) Yeah, really. What even is a quart? So useless. (laughs) So tell me more about what's coming up for you. So jelly beans. Okay, so I keep seeing... You know, I'm in like on on all these entrepreneurial circles where people are like, feel the fear and do it anyway. And and they're like, you know, just like do everything, like do something that scares you every day, do things that are getting out of your comfort zone. And to an extent, I do agree. And at the same time, if if you did that too often, you would just dysregulate your nervous system and burn out. And then you would just be like, down for the count and not be able to do anything. So we have to, like we talked about in the nervous system regulation uh, episode, we, we need that, like the sort of the pulsation of going into the depth and coming into the, you know, into the light, into the shallow kind of how we will go deep on these conversations and then we'll start laughing. (laughs) Right. And so we need to, we need to go into like getting out of our comfort zone and then like coming back and allowing ourselves to not necessarily, it doesn't have to be rest. Like, I think that's also a little overdone of like, you just have to rest, you just have to rest. And then we can get, we can rest too much too. Um, it's really just about that like nuance or not even the nuance, but like the pulsation between the two things. And in, in Sanskrit, in like, uh, you know, if we're, if we talk about like yogic philosophy and, um, Vedic philosophy, which is where Ayurveda comes from, uh, that's called Spanda. And so it's, it, it essentially just means that pulsation back and forth, that energy that goes back and forth between two different, like, extremes. It doesn't have to be like super extreme, but it goes back and forth. And that's how we have healing, but, and it's also how we stretch and grow and evolve over time. Our brains and our hearts love that. I was thinking before you brought up Sponda, I was thinking a heart rate variability Mm -hmm. where for those who aren't familiar with heart rate variability, it's a great biofeedback mechanism, which we're going to do an article, not an article, but a conversation on vagus nerve. And we'll talk more about that. But heart rate variability is the speed change in your heart rate and more variability is actually generally better. It's more flexible. So you breathe in, 
your heart rate will speed up. And then as you exhale, your heart rate will slow down. And so you want to have that nice fluid kind of pulsing of your heart. And then also brain waves. Like we see brain waves are kind of like you're describing is like it's pulsing. So like an alpha wave in the brain is very relaxing. It kind of creates that like creative, chill, relaxed vibe that we all are craving. And if you look at that, it's in a wave. It's like a sine wave pattern. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's same goes for our physical bodies, right? Like we stress, we stress our physical bodies and then we recover from that stress. And that's actually healthier than never giving your, our bodies stress or giving our bodies too much stress. Right. So with like weightlifting, then we rest after that. Otherwise we'll hurt ourselves. But if we rest too much, then we're not going to build muscle. We're not going to build, uh, you know, healthy bones, all of that kind of thing too. So it's everything. Yeah. So being out of your comfort zone can be really uncomfortable. And so what I want to talk about is get your insight on how to suffer. And here's an example of that. And surprise, surprise, it's a flying example. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Oh my gosh. You guys, Dr. Kane travels like flies, like more than, well, <laughs> other than me. Cause I travel other than you. <laughs> more than anyone I know other than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. And yeah. has this fear of flying, which we're going to get, we're going to get you over that fear. It's much better, but it's like, totally. not gone. it's not, <laughs> not gone. Not all so the way. I just went to New York and I got to meet my agent, my editor, and it was lovely and wonderful. The flight out was great. It was an easy flight just from Michigan to New York, just boop, like a little hour and 15 minute kind of thing on the way back. However, we flew over a giant storm in a little like two seat and two seat. It's like a little guy, little plane. And so you could feel everything. And I'm sitting there in the plane and I know there's a storm coming. And so I'm like, my nervous system is like, oh, there's a tiger that's coming to eat us. We must run. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and as it gets bumpier and bumpier, and by the way, I'm like typing in my panic proof book at this point, like I'm working on panic and anxiety and then my body starts to go into autonomic arousal. And so I'm like, oh, how interesting. Your heart rate is picking up. And then my hands were exhaling heat. Like, I know it's the weirdest description, but there's no other better way. Is it was like, if you touch them, they were cold to the touch, but they were like dragon's breath of fire flames, like exhaling heat. Oh, and I was so like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 and normally what would happen is then like my body would be sharing its experience with my brain and then my brain would be like, oh no, disaster. And it yeah. would jump on board and catastrophize. And so what was really magical and wonderful is that I was like, well, this isn't a reflection of the safety of the plane. This is just my body is sharing mm -hmm. and it's uncomfortable and I know it will end and so the question is, is how to suffer. And so I used a couple of strategies that I felt like were really helpful for me, but I think the difference that I kind of want to pull out in this next conversation and hear what you think is instead of trying to move through suffering and avoid it or cope with it or suppress it, how do we exist in suffering? Ooh, I love it. Okay. So yeah, this is a really good question because I think a lot of times we think that we, you know, even in the more like, I don't want to say advanced, I don't know. Like we say like move through your emotions, right? Like we say, 
you you want to like feel it to heal it but we can't have <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so but a lot of times we do that in a way of like well i just have to feel it enough so that i like so i can get rid of it right so we we that's like the goal is to feel it so that we can just like get rid of it still still that's the goal and so how can we come to a place of not having that be the goal. So the goal is instead, how can I just experience what I'm experiencing? I had a client who, uh, I remember like viscerally when she told me that she like, that it clicked for her because she was like, you know, I always thought that whenever people said, be present, you know, be present with your, you know, with your life, with your emotions, with yourself, she was like, I always thought that that just kind of meant to be present with like the good stuff, right? To like really like soak in the good stuff, really allow yourself to feel the happiness, feel the joy, you know, feel the gratitude, you know, soak in the sunset, whatever, all of that stuff, uh, you know, time with your partner. And she was like, and then I realized that actually it means to be present with all of it. And that's actually the like moment that it becomes oh, that's what life is supposed to be, is we're being present with the whole gamut of the human experience and not labeling it as bad or good or whatever, and just being with what is and making decisions. If, you know, if something doesn't feel good, we can also make decisions to, um, to, to do something different. You know, we don't have to just wallow in, in whatever, but to just be present with what is at all times is kind of the, the key that unlocks sort of this, because then it's not actually suffering. It's struggling, but it's not suffering. And so, and that's like a a distinction that's made in, you know, sort of a lot of like Eastern, um, religions and stuff is that if we aren't, if we don't identify with the emotion and if we don't also, um, if we don't identify with it and also don't try to run away from it, then, then we're not, we're just, we're just in it. It's neutral and it's a struggle, but it's not suffering. It's not feeling like things shouldn't be this way. Does that make sense? I'm imagining uh, Jack Cornfield and how he would feel about what you're saying. And I think he'd really like it. Um, <laughs> I love Jack Cornfield. Jack, if you're listening, let us know what you think. Yes. Um and Tara and, Brock, they partner together a lot. They both have really good stuff. He teaches on, I think it's the book Wise Heart, if that's if that's correct. Uh, uh, there's this exercise called The Boats, where he Hadley knows this one. You've he, mentioned it before, I think, on a oh, previous episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Can I mention it again? Yes, please. Yes, please. Thank you. So in this exercise, I think it's exactly something maybe more tangible that that we can use to kind of apply this wisdom of feel it to heal it and how to experience what I'm experiencing and being present with it is that he imagines that you're sitting on this grassy hill and that there's in front of you a stream and there's a current and the current is taking these boats and the boats represent thoughts, feelings, sensations, and beliefs that you have and they can be really painful or they can be really ugly or they can actually be really beautiful and lovely and wonderful. And the job that you have is to just simply notice it 
and allow yourself to observe it as it approaches, as it rises, as it's right in front of you, and then as it fades away, and then releasing it once it's passed. And so another image that maybe you resonate with is I always think about like sitting on the shore and that the the waves are coming in. And then this wave, this like the tides coming in and this big wave comes and it floods you and you're like, I can't breathe. It's flooding you. And you're like, but I know that the current's going to go back out. So you just like wait it out and you don't try to swim or fight or float to the top. You just like, just simply just allow the wave to flood over you and then for it to go back out. How, how you like that? I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And so, because if you were to do the flailing around, that's when it's suffering, right? That's when you're actually, you know, that's when the, all of the sand gets in your butt crack <laughs> and you're just like, wow, right? <laughs> Nobody likes sand in their butt crack. No. Something that I, I actually like to think about is another, it's all water because, because water is, is, and has always been tied with emotions. Like in all mythology, it's like water is emotion. Um, and so this example is also water. So as we're giving these examples, y'all like take which one you want, <laughs> or if you want all three, you know, take, take whatever. But I like to think of it as I'm in a rushing river and there's a stick or like a branch that's kind of like sticking out. And I am just like clinging onto that branch and the water is rushing and rushing. And I'm like, just like, you know, like, um, not, not drowning, but I'm, you know, I'm struggling, I'm suffering. And, and then once I have, you know, just, I've, I've had too much or, or I decide to just let go of the branch, then I realize that actually the water isn't going as fast as I thought it was. And I can just float on top of the water and I just can like float down the river. And it's actually a really lovely experience, but because I was holding on to something that wasn't the water, (laughs) right. That was like, uh, an expectation that I thought was supposed how it was supposed to be. And I do this all the time, you guys, like, oh my gosh, there are so many times where I'm fighting against what is where I'm like, no, this is how I want it to be though. Right. And once I actually let go of that and I go with whatever the emotion is coming up, then it becomes, even if it's a really hard emotion to feel, it becomes more easeful and then it's not, and then I'm not suffering in it. Mm. So you put yourself out there. And there's some periods of growth, you know, there's that zone of proximal development where things are hard and it's like the rushing waves. And like with this podcast, there's been, you know, challenges and growth points and just continuing to show up, but in a way that you're not holding on to an expectation of who you were, what it's supposed to look like, what direction it's supposed to go, but just allowing yourself to be in that, you might then find yourself floating down the river to somewhere that is unexpected and actually quite wonderful. Totally. Well, and at the same time, that river might be, you might be able to just stand up in the river 
which <laughs> happened in did you see Robin Hood Prince of Thieves it was like real popular back in the 90s or wait now. I actually just saw that in June I yeah I know with like the one with um with uh Kevin Snape. Costner yeah and and it's Snape oh my gosh what's his name oh I'll rip your heart out with the spoon guy it was so funny to watch because I just think of him as Snape from Harry Potter. But, and so I was like, this is so weird. Snape is so evil. <laughs> he's so evil in that. Yeah. Yes, I just like, watched it. So random that I just saw that movie. Yes. Totally random. It's preparing you for this. Cause that yes. little John or something, he like falls in the water and he's so sure he's drowning. And then they have him stand up and then they're like, Whoa, it wasn't deep yes. after all. Exactly. And so sometimes, sometimes we are just like flowing along in the river. And I see this a lot, you know, with people who are more in, into like the emotional depths and like wanting to go deep into it, into the shadow, all of that stuff. But sometimes we can also just stand up. Like sometimes it's just like, oh, okay. Actually, it's not, it's not so overwhelming. I can just choose this other thing, right? So what I mean, like the metaphor for standing up is, I'm not being super clear with this, but the metaphor for just standing up is just deciding to do something different. And then you no longer are in the river of the emotions because you aren't experiencing the exact same thing over and over and over again. So while we can surrender to the river, sometimes we just have to stand up and make a decision that's different from what we've been doing. And then we won't have that river of emotions that keeps happening over and over again also. Which is what you were, I think, saying earlier is that if we're just trying to pedal to the metal and just allow ourselves to suffer unrelenting, relentlessly, mm-hmm. then we just burn out. And so pulsing it is really valuable where it's like, okay, I'm going to be in this river for a little bit, maybe 30 minutes. And then I'm going to stand up and like go and sit on the shore and chill for a bit. Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. We've really, we've really gone deep into this analogy. (laughs) Deep pun intended, deep water. Oh, so good. Um, So yeah. So to bring it to like kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of like, how can we put our voices out there? How can we, and not necessarily in like a podcast format, but you know, how can we allow ourselves to Well, and the other thing here is we're not saying that you have to like express your opinions all the time. Cause I think a lot of times people think when they hear like, like, um, you know, let your voice be heard, like, um, speak your mind, that kind of thing that they think that they have to then have an opinion about everything. And I actually don't think that that's a thing. Like, I don't think you have to have an opinion about everything. It's okay if you don't. And I used to think that I had to, too. Um, and I would like be like, I have to like, I have to make up my mind about this and have an opinion about it or whatever. And actually I'm finding that it's a lot, a lot of the times more wise to not have an opinion about everything. (laughs) But if there's something that you actually really do feel strongly about, or, or even just like, if you're scared to just talk in general, because a lot of times it's not even about like a specific opinion that we have, but it's just like, I don't want to say the wrong thing ever. Then we can come back to this place of how about we allow ourselves to speak up and then we come back and allow ourselves to not speak up and we don't have to speak our opinion all the time. And then we allow ourselves to come forward and then we come back into ourselves and we allow ourselves to go rest on the shore. And that's how we grow. 
Is there any way that we can apply that to your and my methodology of paper writing? No, <laughs> yes. justify the way I write. Can you help me? Yes. So Dr. Kane and I were talking about before, before we started this podcast, um, or before we started this episode, we were talking about how the way that both of us write, this is so strange that we both do this because I literally don't know anyone else who writes this way. So we're always taught in school that you write a rough draft, then you go back and you do like three edits, right? Like, or however many edits you go through and you write the edits. Well, Dr. Kane and I, we don't edit. (laughs) We write it the first time and we do it the way we want it the first time. (laughs) Not on. Yes, because. (laughs) Oh, no. So I'm wondering if, well, for those of you out there who are like, if you, if there's anyone out there that's like, I do the same thing, let us know because we don't know anyone else who does it like that. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know a way to justify how we write, but it feels like it might be the opposite where I we know I should just... be leaning into the rough draft. <laughs> I know. Right. Leaning into the rough draft. Maybe this is a growth point for us heads. I know. (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, I will say that when I was in grad school, I learned about like perfectionism. And I that was when I started learning about how to, you know, break this perfectionism pattern that I've had my whole life. And I started writing the I started doing it where I just like didn't care as much. I didn't need it to be perfect the first time. And then I would write the rough draft. But then I actually didn't even, I still just didn't need to edit it. (laughs) Nice. So we might even not need to edit it as much as we think, you know, even if we don't try so, so hard that first go around and getting it out there might even be better than, you know, trying to get it perfect the first time or even trying to edit it three times. Maybe we just need to run through it once, change a couple like grammar mistakes or whatever. And then it's good to go, right? Like that could be the case too. And I actually found that, you know, I tried so hard to get good grades in all throughout school, you know, and I, you know, I was such a, like, I have to get straight A's kind of student. And then in grad school, I was like, wait, I actually, I'm going to start my own business after this. And I, it doesn't matter what GPA I get for like a, a, like a, uh, job after school. So I actually don't need to get all A's. And then I stopped trying so hard and then I got better grades than I had ever gotten. Oh so God. like, <laughs> so detaching from the outcome is really crucial here. Y'all like you'll, you'll do better at things if you don't, if you don't, you know, cling to that branch so hard. <laughs> mm. I'm writing that down, detaching Mm -hmm. from the outcome, leaning into the rough draft, detaching Mm -hmm. from that branch, because we're going to be making lots more great conversation episodes here and they're not going to be perfect. And so maybe we'll just do more where we just like hit record and then see what comes out. And you guys can let us know if that's working for you. If you really want us to plan more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you're like yeah. this is all over the place yeah, like, <laughs> I don't uh, like it <laughs> I don't like it oh man I mean yeah we can we can mix it up for sure because <laughs> I, I think 
you know, we're, we're kind of in, we're, we're like meandering right now, but I think it all relates to each other because once we, when we think about growth, when we think about actually being able to not, when we think about not having to be perfect the first time, that's the only way that we actually allow ourselves to, to grow. And that's the only way that we can actually have a growth mindset. Like I used to think that I had a growth mindset of, you know, oh, well, I'm always trying to grow and learn, but I wasn't allowing myself to not be perfect or what I thought of as perfect in that moment. And that's the only way to actually have a growth mindset. And so coming back to, we have to come from that place of, and it's not even like forgiveness necessarily because forgiveness implies that you did something bad. It's coming from a place of there was no other way for me to have done that in the past, right? Like from a place of I'm doing the best with what I've been given. That was something that my dad always said when I was a kid. He always said, everyone's doing the best they can with what they've been given, right? And so so you can, and then you learn from it. So you have to then again, take that responsibility, be like, okay, I don't want to do this in the future. So what can I do to make sure that that doesn't happen again? But the only way that we can do that is to accept that it did happen. And mine kind of one of my, one of my teachers talks about like mining your regrets where you go into the regret and you're like, huh? Okay. So I accept it. I, you know, if you, you can call it forgiveness, if you, if you want to call it that, or you can say like, I accept it and don't even label it as bad, wrong, whatever in the first place. Uh, and then, and I don't want to do that in the future. So now I'm going to take steps from here and go forward. Does that make sense? Totally. I love that. And I like the term mining. Cause usually I think of yeah. the term gleaning and I don't know if people really know what that means. So right. I yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. So you're like, you're like going into the mines, right? Like it's like, it's depth work, right? It's like, you're like chipping away at something back up to the light (laughs) and then you can go back down into the mine crystals. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, congratulations on Hundi of the holistic inner balance, my friend. Yes, you too. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yes. I hope you guys got so much from this episode. Uh, I know it was a little meandery, but I kind of liked it. (laughs) I had a lot of fun and I took a whole page of notes. So it was valuable for me. And so we have an N of one that vibed. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know your takeaways. You know, uh, this is the kind of thing that we can really start to take take real action on, right. Is like, oh, okay. So I'm going to now mind my regrets, accept them for what they are and move, move forward so that I can share my voice so that I can grow in what, into whatever way I want to, like, you know, what I do with my clients is, is, uh, you know, creating a healthier lifestyle, helping them create a healthier lifestyle. And so, and the only way that you can do that is by accepting what you, where you currently are. And so it go, it's the same goes for any area of growth that you want to have, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's a project at work, you know, whether it's like, you know, making your way, um, you know, in your relationship, because, you know, growth in all aspects of life, we have to come from that beginner's mindset of being okay with making mistakes, accepting them, and then building upon that. Mm, 
That's brilliant. We're going to leave it on that. Thank you so much for listening. You guys rock. Yes, we love you so much. Bye. Bye. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Dr. Nicole Kane, a naturopathic doctor with a master's in clinical psychology, and Happy Healthy Hadley, an Ayurveda expert with a master's in health behavior and health education. While these opinions are based upon literature, counseling, education, medical training, and clinical experience, this content should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on these subjects. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for any sort of medical, psychological, or other form of treatment. If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. If you are in need of counseling, don't hesitate to make an appointment with a counselor in your area. Dr. Nicole and Hadley are passionate about you becoming the expert of your own emotional and physical well-being. If this resonates with you and you think this podcast would help someone you love, please share it with them. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Holistic Inner Balance Podcast.